You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Mother's Day, like I have a very serious question for you. What if motherhood ceases to exist? What kind of world will it be? What if motherhood ceases to exist? What kind of world will it be? And moms, moms do awesome things. And yesterday, I think for me to answer this, I had only five hours to spend with my daughter Felgona. She's only like five years old. So obviously, uh, my my my. <laughs> Just say five years. Yeah. <laughs> you see how the mom correct, the mom's corrected me. Um, she's only sixteen months old. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. She feels she feels as if she's been done for five years. That's what I meant. But it was only like for 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 a few hours only because my wife had to go to my husband's birthday and it just. It was just the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. Like, she left the house in her pajamas. She went outside, like, we went outside. She didn't even have any shoes. I didn't even remember to, like, put her shoes. We went to Nando's, and we were eating food, and she had ketchup all over her face. And I'm wondering why people look at her, because she's cute to what? But they're like, okay, no, she looks as if she's neglected. And that was just a few hours. So we definitely need moms because dads, Amen. you know, because dads are just like big kids. Because if dads are like big kids, so who's going to take care of the dads and moms that are around, you know? And the other thing about moms is like, especially for new moms, uh, new moms have a tendency of maybe calling an ambulance when uh, the baby has a fast cough. <laughs> I've been there. We went to hospital because Felgona was uh, feeling a bit of things. And the doctors are looking at her, why, why in the world are you guys here? <laughs> and Felgona is rolling on the floor, but you know how moms can be. Um, and then also moms, like, they just stare at the babies all day long, like new moms. You know, they, they check every hour if the babies are, are breathing. Yeah, yeah. It's like they constantly check. Yeah. And for me, I'm just like, I- I'm gone, like, you know, I'll wake up the next day. And then also mamas got this thing of like, sniffing the baby's bottom. Just to see, okay, when do I actually need to change the, 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 the nappies? Yesterday, I only changed Felgona's nappies twice, because that's when I thought, oh, she's stinking, so let me, let me do something. But otherwise, I just thought she's okay. But for Krista, she'll do it like, I don't know how many times a day. So definitely be a different place if you never had moms in the world. <laughs> But to answer the question seriously, let's go to Genesis 3.20. Come on, Victor. So if motherhood ceased, what will happen? So in Genesis, the very beginning, 3.20, it simply reads, Adam named his wife Eve because she will become the mother of all the living. So the Hebrew word of Eve is actually kava, which means life. So here, literally, like Eve is a symbol of life. So motherhood is a symbol of life. Is a, is a symbol of life. So if you didn't have mothers, life will cease to exist as we actually know it. Life will cease to exist as we actually know it. And it just reminds me of a quote here about, uh, about mothers especially, uh, that Winston Churchill, 
around eight years ago, uh, was uh, giving his first address to the House of Commons. And obviously, this was a very, very challenging time because the world was coming to a collision and there was, uh, World War II was taking place. So what he said is this, is I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. And for me, when I was thinking about the title for this song, for, for this uh, title for this uh, sermon, I was thinking the best title for this sermon would be just blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Because that's what mothers do for us. So, so if you actually um, um, uh, talk a bit about myself, and uh, just to elaborate the point is, you know, I was um, you know, born in Kenya, and I lost my mom when I was like around 10 years old. But the, the, the memories I have of my mom is just like, she was just a superwoman. You know, she was just a superwoman. I don't know how many jobs she had. She must have had like two or three jobs going at the same time. Uh, the same thing, she was, you know, we, we didn't have like a lot of money, but she made, you know, she could stretch like one slice of bread for like the whole day. I don't know how she did it. She just did incredible, incredible things with like minimal resources. Uh, she was like always faithful. Like, I mean, you know, she, 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 she always dreamed that things are going to get better. She always knew that she, if I invest in my children, their lives are going to change. And that's the fond memories I have of my mother. And for that reason, I even named my daughter Falgona just to say, okay, hey, like I just really want to honor my mother because of what she stood for. And if you look at the Bible as well, we've got mothers who've like really changed the face of eternity through blood, toil, tears, and sweat. And the first mother that comes to mind is the mother whose children became great, and that's Jochebed. That is Moses' mom. You know, she hid Moses for three months when Moses, when the king, uh, when Pharaoh was killing all the, all the boys. And she was very resourceful. How resourceful was she? That she even has products in Ikea this very day. If you go to, if you Google it, I'm not even joking, just Google Moses' basket. It's actually a product that she developed. And we can actually use till today. That's how resourceful she was. She hid Moses in the basket that we actually use to this very day. And also the very thing that she was so resourceful is the fact that she was, she had uh, the child and she became a royal nanny. Like Pharaoh's daughter paid her to take care of her own son. That's how resourceful she was and that's how she, she really went after it. So just imagine the, the tears she shed for, for Moses. Just imagine the 40 years that Moses was growing up in the palace, the kind of tears, the blood, and the toll that she had for, for Moses. But guess what happened? All these came, things came to fruition because Moses was one of the most powerful guys and he was able to lead God's people out of Egypt. So you see that that mom was able to change the course of eternity. The other mom is a mom called uh, Hannah, who was Samuel's mom. We can find a story in uh, 1 Samuel uh, one, uh, uh, chapters 1 and 2. So the fact of this, our, our womb was closed, she, was, she couldn't give birth at all. The other fact was that, you know, the, the other wife was like really provoking her and she became very downhearted. And he actually says in uh, 1 Samuel 1.10, in bitterness of soul, Anna wept and prayed to the Lord. So everyone has one of those days. But sometimes one of those days seems longer but you should never give up. As we see from Anna, she never gave up, and she ended up having a son who was also one of the most powerful people, the last judge that even anointed King David. You know, when she gave birth, she, it didn't finish there. She also had to toil. Like for every single year when she went to make a sacrifice, guess what she did? She like made this little robe and took it to like Samuel. Like every year she did that. 
And that was incredible, and you can actually see what actually happened. The last mom who actually had an impact, I can see is uh, uh, Jesus' mom, Mary. Mary, how would it be like if you're raising God in flesh? You know, what lessons can you actually teach? What new lessons can you actually teach? And the Bible records only three conversations that Jesus had with the mom, uh, you know, three, only three times. So the first one was when he was 12. You know, when he went to Jerusalem, he was left behind because it was like, you know, saying this is my father's house. So just imagine if this was like, uh, uh, you know, uh, on, a, on this kind of like era that we're actually in, in this generation where we have like mobile phones and everything else. It's like Mary and the whole family goes to the airport. It's like, where's Jesus? They send Jesus a WhatsApp message. It's like, hey, son, where are you at? Like, we're here. The plane is leaving. And Jesus doesn't respond. And then the mom is like, a lot of emojis and a lot of emotion. <laughs> and then they come back. And it's like, Jesus, like, I've been trying to, like, text you. What's up? How come you haven't responded? Jesus like, you know what? They don't have Wi-Fi in the temple. And I'm out of data. Just like what a teenage son will actually do. Um, but just imagine that. Just seeing all the miracles that Jesus did. Just seeing that one day you packed for Jesus' lunch because he was in a, in a big crowd and you wanted to call him out to feed him. And he says, like, no, I don't want the lunch. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. How would you feel about that? Just imagine how seeing your son dying on the cross. Just imagine your son resurrecting and then going to heaven again. Just so many emotions happening. But you see, like Mary was very, through the blood, the tears, and the sweat, she stuck in and Jesus was able to change and do incredible things. And that's the reason why I'm here this morning. So this is a question that I have for you. These moms had impact for eternity. So if you're here as a mom or a spiritual mom, the impact that you can have is for eternity as well. So it doesn't matter where you are today. What matters is that through your blood, toil, tears, and sweat, you can really make a difference. And I know the brothers seem a, a bit checked out. They're like, okay, this is just a summon for the, for the mothers. Nope. It's like, let's wait for Father's Day. <laughs> and then we'll say this. But if you read 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 7, Paul actually says, I cared for you as a nursing mom. So we're not talking about just being a physical mom, but just actually the attributes of a, of, of a mom as well. Because you know that God himself, he's a creator, we are the creation, so he's using his creation to be able to, con- uh, to communicate his attributes to us. And one way he does that is just through the moms as well. So uh, brothers, this is someone also for you. So I've got all these two simple points for you today. The first point is this, moms teach us about God. And the second point is this, is that godly mothers heal the world. So let's go to Mark 8. Come on, Mark chapter 8. So we'll still continue doing our series, the Mark series. <laughs> so I'm going to try and squeeze in Mother's Day in Mark 8, like Jesus feeding the 4,000 and doing a miracle. So just bear with me. So the first point was mom, mom's teaches about God. So let's actually read uh, Mark chapter 8 from verse 1. It says, from verse 1, During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. So, so then the question that begs to be asked, how did Jesus know that these people have nothing to eat? How did he know that? 
he must have observed, he must have saw, or he must have even actually asked that. And we know how moms are also very sensitive. You know how mom says that, I just don't like that person. Like, mom, you haven't even met them. I just yeah. feel, there's just a feeling like, I'm just sensitive. Well, I just don't like that situation. And that's how mothers are. So over, over here as well, we see that Jesus was sensitive. He was like, okay, hey, if these guys are to be sent home, what's going to happen? They're going to, they're going to collapse and they won't be able to actually do that. So you see, even here, we see that how sensitive Jesus was to their needs. Yeah. And also just the compassion. The compassion of like, you know, moms are always teaching. Moms are always teaching. So even here, Jesus didn't have to say, I have compassion for these people. He would have shown that by his actions. But obviously, he wanted to teach his disciples that, look, I have compassion to these people, the same compassion that you need to have for people. So I'm always teaching. Moms are always teaching. They find situations to always teach that. And then also, he was very considerate. You know, when you're considerate, you don't forget the details of life. You know, like, for example, if these guys haven't eaten for three days, they will go and collapse. They have a long way to go. You don't forget all these details. Like, being considerate is a mom's quality that we also need to have. So the question I have for, for you this morning, how considerate are you? How considerate are you to what's happening around you? You know, sometimes it's easy for us to cry for the situation, the challenges we're going through. And it's even harder for us to cry for someone else. But how often do we actually cry for people we don't even have a relationship with? And this is the kind of heart mothers have. Mothers are like, it doesn't matter what kind of child I have, I'm going to love them even though they are, they're behaving in a, in a way that I don't actually condone. Mothers will only love no matter what. And here we see through Jesus that even God is loving us unconditionally. Jesus' mission was to come and, seek, and save the lost. So it's, it's, a very, it's very intense, it's, it's like very spiritual that I've come to seek and save the lost. But he didn't neglect the physical aspects of life. He didn't neglect that at all. Even for us, whether or not you believe in God or not, God still loves you. Whether or not you believe in God or not, God still gives you a job, God still gives you a brain, and God gives you the ability for you to create wealth, showing you that God still loves you just as the mother would love you. Yeah. And as you continue on reading from verse, uh, verse 4, he said, his disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed him? So if you remember what they said in uh, uh, the same, because Jesus fed 5,000 in chapter 6, they had a different excuse then. The excuse then was that we don't have money to be able to buy food. Over here, the excuse now is location. It's like this location, look, there's no Sainsbury's here. Or, you know, if you live in the West, it's like there's no Waitrose. Like, we don't, we, we, we don't, we don't shop in like little. We shop in Waitrose. There's no Waitrose here to be able to buy all this stuff. Um, but here you see that there was that kind of, they wanted to pass the responsibility to someone else. So, you know, this is the thing is that sometimes we want to pass the responsibilities of helping other people to someone else. So wherever we are posed in a way that, okay, hey, you need to help, what do you want to do? You want to pass our responsibility. It's, it's not my problem. It's someone else's problem to be, able to, to be able to deal with that. And this is what you see the heart of the disciples was, is that what they are saying is that, hey, hold on a minute, it's not their problem. We didn't tell them to follow us for three days. We didn't tell them not to pack their lunch. So they have to sort things out on themselves. But Jesus was just saying this to expose what's in their heart. Their heart was that they didn't want to take responsibilities and say, with the little that we have, what can we actually do? Moms are always resourceful. You give them like something small, they will be able to stretch it. They will be able to make sure that they take care of the needs. 
But is this your heart this morning? Do you deflect responsibility or do you accept responsibility of being able to embrace situations that mom will do? Is that our heart this morning? So if you read verse 5, how many laws do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. So you see over here, moms will always fight for a battle. They'll, they'll always fight the battles. They say, okay, hey, you guys say you don't have anything, but I'll make sure that we're able to fight the right battles so we can be able to uh, make sure that things happen. But obviously over here, Jesus also picked the right battle. He didn't ask them, is that, you know, hold on a minute, why are you guys saying this? Don't you remember what I said? Yes, okay, hey, well, let's just forget, let's forget about that. What do you have right now? That's the battle he picked, and that's the battle he chose to actually fight. And as you continue on reading, it says in verse 6, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. So this massive miracle, but just the details of like telling people to sit on the ground, is like, why would you do that? If I was doing this, I would say, okay, fish and, and, and loaves and fish, let's just have a buffet. Let's just <laughs> put things over there. These guys are grown up. They can just come and pick the stuff and sit down. Why, why do you need to serve them? Why do you even need to do that? But over here, Jesus says, actually, like he told them to sit down. And if you look in other councils, like very specific, telling them to sit down in groups of 50 or groups of 100 so they can be able to be actually be fed. So this is even the details of what moms actually do and what we need to inspire to do, just working out the details. We just don't do things or, or, or sort it through life just, just like that, yeah. but we also need to be considerate. Amen. We need to show yeah. people that we really truly care about them, even the small details that other people actually miss that. Yeah. So you see... And moms always make sure that everyone is okay. Yeah. Have you ever seen a situation where a mom, especially, you know, you have like four pieces of pie and you have like five people. Well, the mom do. The mom will say, you know what? I don't even love pies. Yeah. You guys can actually have it. You can actually have it. It's like, it's not about me. It's about you guys. That's what moms do. Yeah. And over here, you see even Jesus was taking of them. As you continue on reading, you see this in verse 7. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them and told the disciples to distribute them. Verse 8, the people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets, uh, basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So you see, obviously, Jesus wanted to make sure everyone is okay. They had enough food until all of them were satisfied. And then also that detail is that you got to tidy up. Moms will be like, you got to tidy up. You can't just eat and live like that. And these disciples are told, okay, guys have eaten. You guys have to pick or whatever is left behind. And did he have to do that? That's the, it's in the desert. Who cares about the desert? There's no like council that will come after you and say, okay, hey, you guys are, are, are littering. So we're going we're gonna to have to fine you for that. There was nothing like that. But I said, okay, you know what? Whatever is left behind, make sure you actually collect it and put it aside. And that's what moms are. Moms are, are not wasteful. Moms are not wasteful, but dads are wasteful, and uh, I can attest to that. When I was uh, spending time with Algoda, we wasted a lot of, uh, you know, the, the chicken and chips who are, we bought in, uh, in uh, Nando's. But moms are not wasteful. Moms just make sure that everyone is just taken care of. So the question for you this morning is that in what areas in your life are you just being, are you, are you just being negligent? In what areas in your life you're not acting as a mom will do? Because a mom will ensure that every single aspect of what needs to be done is done in a perfect, perfect way. So in what areas are you not being this way? So this is not the, 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 the physical thing that Jesus did. But if we turn to a spiritual way, what does this really mean for us? Because obviously here is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a miracle that happened in the physical, 
but it has a very uh, spiritual uh, 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 application to it. So this morning we've came up, what, what's happening right now? Jesus is feeding us. You know, you've heard my wife talk about what the cross does and what we need to do. We've heard about Richard, Richard speaking about, you know, what it means to give. Like, no, at the end of the day, it's about the life that's to come, not about this life. So this is Jesus actually feeding you. Yes, it's something which is small. It's like five loaves and two fish. But if you apply it in your life, guess what's going to happen? It's going to multiply. If you, if, you, if you apply it in your life, what's going to happen? Someone else will be able to figure out where they need to go and get their bread. So this morning, Jesus is just doing the same thing. Jesus is just being a mother to you this morning. He said, let's come. Let's sing together. Let's open the Bible together. Let's read it. Let me show you what I want you guys to be doing in your lives. I want you guys to be able to be in a place where you will be satisfied. And that's the same thing we need to have in our lives. So we have a lot of opportunities to be able to do this. And I like uh, what Richard mentioned about, uh, about our contribution. As you know, our goal is to go to the ends of Europe. That's our goal. If you look at Europe, the GDP, I work in finance, so I just look at this thing. The, the, the domestic product for, for Europe is like over 20 trillion. That's a lot of money. And in May, we're going to do something called a special missions contribution, which is only going to be like 10 time, 20 times of what you're, you're contributing. And compare that to the GDP of Europe, that's just a drop in the ocean. But that is the drop of the ocean we can bring for God to be able to multiply that so we can be able to fill the souls that are there in Europe. So we have a great opportunity for us to embrace the qualities of mothers so that we can say, hey, at the end of the day, we want to take care of Europe. At the end of the day, we want to cry for Europe. And one practical way we can do that is the detail of us making sure we have the right plans to be able to give our special missions when it actually comes. So that's a practical way of doing it. And then the other practical way, and the challenge is this, is that we all have to, uh, we all have to aspire to be like mothers. It's one thing today that we can call our mothers and thank them or give them flowers. But there's another thing that we need to say. No, no, we have to be like our mothers. That's different. Because in the, in the, when you're raising up a child, it opens up a lot of things that you'll never have understood. Now that I'm a father, I'm like, now I respect my father even more. But what can we do? I'm not saying that you go there and be mothers. What I'm saying is that even spiritually, we can start adopting people so that we can become spiritual mothers, so that we can be able to help them and do even incredible things. So the challenge, the challenge for you is simple. We need to be like mothers. So let's go to our point number two, which is simply, godly mothers heal the world. So let's go to uh, verse 22 of Mark 8. So I'm going to try and uh, see a lot of motherly qualities in this miracle that Jesus did uh, with the blind mind. Okay, so in verse 22, I'll read this. So they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village, where he had spit on the uh, uh, the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? So first of all, we see this blind man. And back in those days, like, blindness was caused like, by a lot of complications. It could be, uh, you know, then they didn't have the resource that we do have. 
in terms of hygiene. Because sometimes hygiene, if you don't have like great hygiene, it can actually lead to blindness. The other thing as well, some medical conditions can actually lead to blindness. So blindness was just a complication that could be a, a, a result of a lot of uh, other diseases too. But here you see as well, what did Jesus do? Jesus actually, when he had spit on the man's eyes, you know, I don't know if you've ever, like, experienced that. <laughs> like, mom's always, like, looking at you and saying, okay, hey, you've got something in your face. You know what? I'm going to use my spit to clean you up. And they just, like, use the spit to clean you up. I do that all the time to feel gone. Um, and it's not even, like, something which is strange. But back in the days, what they really thought is, like, saliva has, has got, like, a very healing effect to it. And that's the reason sometimes when you burn yourself or you cut yourself, what's the first thing you do? You can actually like, put it in your mouth. Like, you, that's what you do. So a lot of times they, they, they actually understood that saliva or spit has some sort of like healing power. But let's look at what Jesus did. Jesus did and say, do you see anything? And what's important is like Jesus took him out of the village. So he didn't do that miracle as a show. He's like, let me, let me do this. Where are the lights? Where are all the banners? Let me show people this miracle. But he actually just took the man out of the village so he can just actually have to do that. And that's how moms are. Moms are like, being a mom is the most thankless job. No one says, good, well done, mom. No one even sees us. They look at your child. They tell your child is like, they, 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 they tell your child is like uh, very cute, but they don't know the, the, the work that goes behind closed doors. And that's what it is. Jesus was like, no, no, it's not about what other people say. Let me just take you outside and let me do this miracle. Because at the end of the day, it's not about everyone else. It's, a, it's about you as an individual. And that's the same way that moms loves us as individuals. That's the same way that God loves us as individuals as well. So we see Jesus takes him out and then he says, the guy looks up and then he says, you know, I see people and they look like trees. And verse 25, he says, once more, Jesus put his uh, hands on the man, then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So over here again, this is one of the miracles that Jesus had to like, kind of do it twice. The other miracle is just like, just say stuff, and it just happens. But over here, Jesus was just trying to show us, there is a lot of love that takes place when you have to do a miracle. Even when you're starting the, 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 the Bible with someone, people don't just know the truth at once. It takes time for them to be able to see that. The same way this guy did not just see at once, it took time for him to see and Jesus had to do it twice. What about us? Are we patient with people when they don't understand the truth at once? Or are we short and say, okay, hey, you understand it. Okay, you see, uh, okay, you, you see people who look like trees. That's good enough. Go on your way, you go. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was patient. Just as moms are, he's like, I'm going to actually see this through. In that same way, we need to actually be able to understand that we need to see things all the way through. Yeah. And as disciples, if you're a new disciple, and I know we have this new Christian orientation, you know, we don't expect like you're a disciple and you know everything all at once. There needs to be like a lot of work that needs to take place so that you can be able to come also more even to know the truth. So even though as, dis as young disciples, if you have questions, don't feel like, okay, how? I'm supposed to understand everything. You need to ask those questions so that you can be able to help through the word of God to be able to see things clearly. Amen. And if you're visiting for the first time, yes, you might have understood or you, you have an experience that this is what I think of God. 
But it's only through God's word that you'll start seeing even God's truth in a very, very deeper way. Because God says in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, that people need to come to the knowledge of truth. So it takes time for that to happen. And being in a Bible study will really bring you to the knowledge of the truth. So here we see how mothers act. Mothers are like, they're, they're very patient with us. Mothers, they, they go out of their way to ensure that the job gets done. So, in closing, what are we saying? What we're saying is this. It's going to take blood, toil, tears, and sweat like mothers for us to be able to make a difference in this generation. It has to take blood, toil, tears, and sweat for us to make a difference. And we see through history that a lot of moms who sacrificed so much, they ended up making a difference. We've looked at an example of Moses' mom and what happened to Moses. The example of Samuel and what happened to him. That's the example of Jesus and actually what happened to him. So it takes like a lot of blood, toil, and tears and sweat for us to be able to make a difference. And how can we actually do that? We need to be like moms. You know, God allowed us to have moms in our lives so we can see his attributes that he never gives us on us, that his love is unconditional, and he really wants us to come to the great relationship with him. And then also, what do we learn as well? That it is only through mothers, godly mothers, that we can truly heal the world. Every single morning when you up in the news, what happens? You find out women are always fighting for their rights. What do you see happening? You find out that women are always neglected. If you look at statistics, 90% of lone parents are single mothers. It is the mothers who are on the front line of really bringing the children up. So we need to understand that without the mothers, life will cease to exist. So we need to really embrace the motherhood and say, if we had godly mothers, guess what's going to happen? We are going to heal the world, and this world is going to be a different place, and we won't be in a spot whereby we have to fight for women's rights, because that's going to become part of who we are. So the challenge for us is simple. First of all, we need to be like mothers. And secondly, we need to be patient just like mothers are, so that when we help them people to come to the truth, we can just stick with them all throughout. Then again, for us to change this world, for us to really embrace mothers in this Mother's Day, it's going to take blood, toil, tears, and sweat, and for us not only to honor our mothers, but also for us to be like our mothers. I love you very much. Happy Mother's Day. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one